Okay, so it's my great pleasure to continue to um, talk about the uh, series that we're talking about, which is the whole idea of forgotten arts. And you've got a good one today, Wendy. Do you want to come up and tell us what you're going to talk about? So here's Wendy. Woo! So I don't know if you're going to use the word frugality, but it's there on the list, but it's up to you which word you choose. Thanks. Okay, God bless you. <laughs> uh, good morning. It's um, really exciting to be here. Um, if, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Wendy, married to Ollie. Um, normally just wearing a pink t-shirt doing kids' work, to be honest. So it's quite exciting being up here this morning. And Ollie gave me this um, frugal life to talk about. And to be honest, I don't even know what the word is. I'm not great at English. I had to Google it. It's like, what am I actually talking about? So it's been a month of a journey working out what this forgotten art is, what it looks like. So hopefully, as I go through my experience and what God's been talking to me about, hopefully there will be chains broken this morning, people really feeling challenged, provoked about walking closer with God. So... For those of you who also don't know me, I don't work for the church. I work in a secondary school. I am head of maths. And one of my roles as a head of department is progress. Students come into the school, they come out of the school, and for those five years, it's my responsibility to be checking my team, checking that progress is made. And I'm head of maths. Just out of hands up if you like maths, good at maths. Oh, yay, come on. But you can see we have a real mixed bag. There's some of you probably hiding under your chairs thinking, please don't give me an equation. Others of you getting your pens ready for me to give you some good questions. So when I get a whole cohort of students coming in year seven, I've got people who are super bright, probably brighter than me, some of them. Others who just struggle so much with maths. And my aim as a head of department is to make sure my team and we work hard that when everybody leaves, they all make progress. And that progress will look different. Someone who really struggles with maths, maybe being able to add and not feel completely freaked out when they leave year 11 would be an achievement. Someone who's super bright, we want to make sure we're stretching and you know, off they go high places in the world, off to uni and do further things abroad. And that's a little bit like us as Christians. For those of us here today, we're a mixed bag, aren't we? <laughs> we are a mixed bag. Some of us have been Christians for years. You know, you almost felt like you just came out of the womb and you've been a baby and you've been a Christian ever since then. Some of you are new. I know I run the Alpha team with a great team here and we've had the joy of seeing people recently transform their lives and give their lives to Jesus. And they're new. You're sitting here today and you're like, I don't know all of this. I don't know what it is to be a Christian, but I love Jesus. So we've got a real spectrum of people who have loved Jesus for a long time, some people who are new. And as a Christian, we're not meant to just sit here and be stagnant. Well, that's not the idea. We're not meant to just sit back and relax and just wait for heaven to rock up. Actually, we should be yearning and being hungry to be transformed, for our lives to be more and more like Jesus. And this is what this series has been about. I feel like I've been provoked every Sunday to go, oh, I don't do that, or I haven't fasted for a while, and I haven't done this for a while. And all of these disciplines are really good for us to get better and better, like being more like Jesus. So what does progress look like in your life? When you think about your life, 
reflecting in January, what does my life look like? What do we think? Oh, well, my status has changed, that's good. Or I had that job promotion, amazing, I'm earning the big bucks now. Or, I don't know, is it like the best holiday experience? Or some adventure you've got looking forward to? Is it that you just got a bigger car, better house? What is progress for all of us? And we kind of get caught up in this world, don't we, that kind of says, come on, you should be moving on, you should be moving on. And sometimes we get caught up thinking these things are progress for us as Christians. And a lot of these things aren't bad, they're nice, but they don't satisfy us, do they? They can't be our identity, the way we feel secure in life. If these are the things that give you power, and you go around and you think, this is who I am, then actually this isn't going to work, is it? We've sung songs this morning about there's no one else. I give my whole life to you, Jesus. It's all about you. Oh, but I like that. That's me as well. And we can wrestle with some of this stuff. Some of this stuff massively shapes our identity and who we believe we are. And we forget that actually it's all about being like Jesus. And we're going to be looking today about how earthly treasures just don't satisfy. But if you are someone who just is yearning for the next big car, the next big house, the best outfit, the better facelift, whatever it is, you'll get there and then you'll be left wanting more. It will never satisfy you. And you'll get wrapped up in this cycle of wanting more and wanting more and wanting more because it will never, ever satisfy we sang, a, we sang that song earlier, I wrote it down, um, the Nothing Better Than You song. Those earthly treasures just never satisfy. They just won't. They're nice, but if we're putting all our eggs in that basket, it just won't satisfy. And we realize we're in a world that's a consumerism, a culture of making us want the next best thing, always making us aware of what we don't have. You only have to go on a computer or the internet, and it shoves all these adverts at you about what you haven't got. You haven't got good health. You haven't got good hair. You haven't got a good job. You haven't got this. You haven't got this. And it leaves you wanting, feeling so unsatisfied that you need something else. And that something else is going to be the thing that helps us feel satisfied. So today I've got given this random word, living a life being frugal. And it's, it's been an adventure working, and I'm picking what this word means. But to put it in a nutshell, <laughs> it basically means we've got to live our lives more simply. We don't want to be in this culture of just wanting and wanting and wanting, but we need to learn to be content. Not wanting to spend, but spend wisely, and being aware of what we have. So often, the blessings and the good things God gives us just goes over our head because we're so fixed on, well, I need that. And we need to line ourselves back into the Holy Spirit, into God's plan, God's purpose for us to learn that that's what God wants for us. So gone are the days, this was my childhood, getting the Argos catalogue, sitting there on the sofa for hours, I want that, I want that. And then at Christmas, yearning for Santa. Please, did he see my Argos catalogue? Did he see all those circles? And then that jewellery box that I never really needed turns up. <laughs> now, I have no jewellery to put in it, but it looked great in the picture. But we had that sort of, well, I had that sort of, like, waiting. I had my catalogue, I'd flick through, 
and I'd really wait till December, really hoping for that Julie box to come. Whereas now I've noticed in my own life, in friends' lives, people around, that we're in a culture of now. We quickly find it, buy, next day delivery, next hour delivery, and we're sorted. We haven't got any delayed gratification. If we have to wait a week for something, we're looking at the time, we're wondering what's going on, do I need to send a stroppy email? We can't wait. We like, need things now. And actually, there's a lot of things in life that I could give examples for of why it's good to wait. And one thing, for those of you who know me, I love food. It's not the fasting week, so I can talk about food today. And then, but a lot of food actually tastes nicer when, when you're waiting for it. For example, if you make a roast dinner, every recipe says you need to rest the meat. I am really bad at that, and so as soon as it comes out the oven, I'm like, I haven't eaten all week, must eat this chicken right now. Actually, the times I have, let it rest. It's amazing, it tastes so much nicer. All the flavors gone into it, it tastes delicious. I wish I'd just waited sometimes. Same with lasagna, anyone made lasagna? If you eat it straight out the oven, it tastes delicious either way, but it flops. Ollie's very particular about his presentation. I'm not very good at this. And it just flops on a plate, and you go, oh, sorry. It will taste nice. Whereas if you just let lasagna rest, you cut it out, and it becomes this beautiful piece of lasagna that you think, that looks delicious. So a bit like food, it is good to wait because actually that sort of delayed gratification does something to us. It gives us a yearning, a real contentment of, I'm glad I waited, that was worth waiting for. So I already talked um, about that I'm a maths teacher, and sometimes I like to show students, because they always say to me, when am I ever going to use this in life? Like giving them a nice real-life example <laughs> that maths is important. And so I go shopping, and I think, right, I'm going to show them that there is a real element to maths in my daily life at, so at the shopping centre. So I go down the Nutella aisle, and do I go for that giant jar? Oh, no. I don't know. I sit there and I work out how much per gram each range of Nutella jars are. And one day, this is the best, you'll be really proud of me, went to the till, not with one big jar, but three little ones. Oh, yes. Gave the lady smile, thinking, I'm not getting, you're not getting away with this. And Finn said to me, Mum, how much did you save? 4p. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, so I'm not up here this morning, definitely not, with my top tips on how to save or how to be more ethically good with how I spend. Because if I'm honest, I've got some good friends who challenge and provoke me on this. I don't think I'm the uh, role model of this, and I'm on a journey too. But actually, you know, it's not about saving the four Ps here and there. It is about this whole big thing about why are we spending, what are we spending, and how it fits into our lives. And I had a little look about some key people in the world who have done this whole, stripped everything back, gave everything away. And Mother Teresa was the first person that came up and I thought, I know the name, but I don't really know much about Mother Teresa. And then, yeah, I found out she was 18 when she left home to train to be a nun. And she really felt this calling to just have a vow of chastity, poverty, obedience, and free service for the poor. 
And I was reading her story and found out that she never went home. She never saw her family again. She completely just said, right, I'm going. And she did that until she died. And I feel like these big stories are provoking. While I sit in my house with my family and all my possessions, I'm like, oh, is this rubbing a little bit? And then I've started opening up the Bible, which is really good, isn't it? I should have done that earlier. And I looked at the life of Jesus. And I often wondered why Jesus, the Son of God, didn't come down and at least go to a rich family. You know, he doesn't have to have a mansion or a castle, but better than a stable, surely. Surely there was someone out there with a house. Like, you know, you just sort of think, why did he come to a young girl and be born in a stable? The Son of God chose to come and have nothing. He could have come with a giant gold castle, chariots, soldiers. He could have done the works. That would have been very easy for people to go, oh, yeah, he's a king. But instead, he chose to come with nothing. And the whole of his life, when you read the story of Jesus through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you realize he never had a house. He didn't earn anything. He, he kind of sofa hopped through friends' house, through people in villages. He didn't own anything. His whole life was him, his disciples walking, sharing. And when people asked, what do I have to do to follow you, Jesus? He just said, come, follow me. Jesus knew that possessions, money, things would get in our way. And in Matthew 19, verse 21, he says, Go, sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And he carries on in verse 29. Everyone who has given up houses, brothers, sisters, family, property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return. And there's a famous verse in verse 23 as well. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus knew that these things would distract us. He knew that they would turn our eyes to focus on something other than him. He knew it. But does that mean we've just got to quickly, all of us, put our houses on the market, stop paying rent, we'll camp out in the car park, cause David a problem with our cardboard boxes? I don't think so. <laughs> because there's also verses in the Bible, such as Matthew 7 and James 1, where it talks about God who's a God who gives good gifts. And if you've been a Christian any amount of time, you know that God loves giving us good gifts. I know in my life, God has just blessed me time and time again. And he is a good God who loves giving good gifts. So I don't think it is just chucking everything out and living this life of nothing. But there is that challenge. Jesus has said this. And actually, why does he say that to his disciples? It's because he knows it blocks people, blocks our walk with God, stops us from blessing others, stops us from focusing on ourselves. And as I've been preparing this, it's asking those horrible questions which you don't really ever want to ask God. God, what shall I give you? <laughs> Do you need my house? <laughs> Do you need my car? <laughs> and I, was, I, I thought, I've got to give it to God. If God wants me to get rid of something, I want to be in such a good place that my heart says, I'll give it all to you, God. And actually, a very random thing came to mind as I was preparing this. A year ago, we went to a wedding, and I thought I'd treat myself to some nail extensions. 
and I absolutely loved them. I loved how people responded. I liked that people always talked about them. They always looked beautiful. And the plan was just to do it for a month. About a year later, every month, I have just spent quite a lot of money, really, getting them done, getting them done, getting them done. And I felt really provoked as I was preparing this, that it's not a treat anymore. I don't feel thankful. I don't feel like it's a gift. It's just become this routine. And in a weird way, a bit of an identity as well, a bit like this has become something of me, about my appearance, and I don't know. So, if, I haven't got any now. <laughs> I've decided to go au naturel, and I do not have them. And it has been a challenge, and, and it might not be that one day I get my nails done again, and I really want to feel thankful and feel like blessed and feel a treat. But for me, it became a habit. And it became a habit that wasn't a good one. And it definitely, in a weird way, just put my money there. And so I was saying to Finn in the car this morning, rather than spending this money on my nails each month, I'm going to give it to someone. Because how much more is that to bless someone with some money than do my nails? Like, it's quite a lot of money as well, really. So it's that challenge today. That's where I want us to get to, really. Well, have you given everything to God? Like, have you laid down and said, if you want this, God, I'll give it to you? It's quite a hard question to say, because actually living a frugal life means that we lay things down, that we say, God, it's all yours, that we learn to be content with what we've got, not pining and always wanting for something more. And I found this quote, and I love it. It says, living frugally is to become more content grateful and to relish in what you have, managing what we have rather than resenting what is missing. So the challenge today is, are you holding on to something too tightly? If God said, get rid of it, could you? It's a tough one. It's a challenge. And we want to learn to be thankful for what we do have, for the blessings that God gives us daily. It's a heart issue. And sometimes if we're so wrapped up in looking at the bigger thing, the next thing, we sometimes miss the thing that God has given us for now. And when Ollie and I first got married, we managed, it was a miracle really, to get this tiny little flat. So small, didn't even have a kitchen, it just had an oven against the, the sofa in the front room. But we used that flat to cram in as many youth, as many people in the church as possible. And we, we just felt so blessed to have this flat. And the best bit about this flat was it had this tiny little stairway and we got to know all five other neighbours really, really well because you were like, sorry, as you went in and out of the door. If there was an argument, you could hear everything. It was so thin. But we were living so closely with these people that Ollie ended up helping give birth to this baby in the hall because this woman couldn't get to the hospital. There was, when you we think back, we had some crazy times in this flat. And thank, luckily, we were in a place where we were so thankful. If I was living in that flat, just pining for the big house, I would have missed all the blessing that God gave us while we were there, all the amazing opportunities we had to be part of these random people's lives and to pray and be part of it. So sometimes looking for the next big thing, always focusing there, we miss the now. We miss what God is doing right now with what we have so, Matthew 6, verse 20 to 21 says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, but store for yourself treasures in heaven. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Um, about the first prayer meeting like a month ago, Ruth Newton shared a word, and as she shared it, it really, I thought, Phew, this feels like really current about what I want to share today. And she had a word about a heart, and the heart was surrounded by loads and loads and loads of stones, and it felt trapped. And this heart couldn't move, it wasn't able to beat, because it was just surrounded by this wall of, wall of stones. And um, I really believed, as she was saying it, I thought, I've got to put this in my preach, because I believe it's a word for some of us today. I feel like we've kind of blocked our heart with things, stuff. That is our security, our, maybe our proudness. We've put things in, com our confidence is in our status, is in our job, is in our money. All sorts of things have layered up and just surrounded our heart, and our heart feels tight this morning. And I just feel like Jesus, like we were singing, wants to be your everything. He doesn't want it to be your everything plus this, 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 and this. He wants to be your everything. And so when we start visualizing all these stones starting to be taken down, you can start seeing almost that it doesn't take much for them to topple down. Sometimes some of the big things, you pull that out like Jenga, and it will all fall down. And I do feel like um, as we come to communion a bit and as we have some time to pray at the end, like if there's things that your heart's beating today and you think, I know I haven't given that up. I know that's a bigger God in my life than God's. I know that if Jesus said, can you lay that down? I'd be like, no, I really need that. I feel like today God is going to break some walls down. I believe there's stuff today that maybe you've been holding on or you felt like it was a good thing. I'm proud of this. This is really good but it's not of Jesus. And I feel like he wants to move that down. And as I was writing this, I was thinking, when else have I, when I was looking for pictures, where else have I seen like stones all stacked up? And all these pictures came up of altars, which is really interesting, isn't it? Because in the Bible, people used to make altars to their God or a sacrifice or whatever. Let's not have this going on in our lives. Let's get rid of those walls. Let our hearts be able to beat for Jesus. Let's give him everything this morning. So to be frugal is to be self-aware of what we have, whether it's our time, our possessions, money. And no, it's all Jesus's. It's all for him. Because we've got a God who's good, and he gives us good gifts. And we need to be thankful for them. We really do. We're in a world that is not thankful. You only need to go to a charity shop or a second-hand shop. There's so much, isn't there? Everyone's not satisfied. They need the latest. They need the newest. They need the next. Things are just getting chucked out left, right, and center. So this is a personal challenge. And it isn't about suddenly looking at the person next to you going, well, they're rich. They better give everything away. No, no, no. It's a, it's a personal challenge for everybody. You think about the story in Mark about the poor lady who gave everything in the offering, which wasn't much. And then the rich man popped along and looked like he was giving loads, but it was nothing for him, not a sacrifice at all. We've all got our own levels. We've all got our own stones that need unpicking. And actually, this is a personal challenge for yourself. So I don't think we all need to panic and worry about sort of selling and living cardboard boxes and depriving ourselves or spending hours trying to save 4p off your Nutella. It's, it's not about that, but it's a heart issue. Like all of these forgotten arts, it's about saying, God, what am I holding on to too tightly? What do I need to let go? What is it that's stopping me really running this race fully 100% your way?
And it's not feeling guilty when you get given good gifts. Actually, it's being thankful, knowing they're a blessing and they're a delight from God, being grateful, and stirring you to then be generous with what you have. Let's be a generous church who loves to give. Give our time, give our money, give our food, give our houses, you know, just bless everything we have to each other. And the best bit about all of this, when we feel like we're sitting there stripped away thinking, gosh, I've given this all to you. Actually, it leads us with what the world is desperate for out there. It leads us with a deep contentment and eternal fulfillment and that freedom. I work in a school, I see kids broken all the time, desperate for peace, desperate for peace in their soul, yet they're filling it with everything else. And we've got the answer today. We've got Jesus, who is the King of King, Lord of Lord, peace overall. And he's the only thing that's going to satisfy us fully. So as we come to take communion this morning, as we come to the table, we need to know that it says in 2 Corinthians 3, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. This morning there's freedom. All the words in the worship was leading to this place of whether you're broken, where you're at this morning, you can come, find your freedom in Jesus this morning. And it's choosing to consume ourselves with Jesus rather than being consumers who are consumed with something else. Because actually, Jesus brings the true joy, the freedom, and the life that we're intended for. And just to finish, Jesus asks us to take up our cross and follow him in Matthew 10. So as we come this morning to take communion, I'm going to pray this over us now, in fact. Lord, as we come to your table... Yeah, I just pray, Jesus, you allow the Holy Spirit to break chains. Lord, will you remove stones of addictions, bad habits, obsession for always wanting more? Will you help us be content with what we have? Will you allow us to see Jesus as our only treasure that we need? Help us to give him the first. I pray that we'll learn to be content with the now which leads to a healthy progress in our Christian walk. Help us to be more frugal, more generous. Remove the grip of the world, the possessions and the want, and keep our eyes fixed on the glory. Because the best news, Lord, is that this table is always enough. The table is never empty. Even if we're asked this morning to remove everything else, one thing we don't need to remove is, your Christ, is Christ's sacrifice, is your death and your resurrection, Jesus. We don't need to remove your love. We don't need to remove this generous gift. It's always generous. It's always there for the taking. So as we take the bread and wine this morning, Lord, help us to feel challenged. Help us to those chains to be broken, Jesus. Amen.